Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, writes this in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Come on, somebody say everything. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You probably know what that is as you're reading through this and you go, ah, that, that, ah, yeah, okay. My heart there, yeah, my my pride there, yep, my my attitude there, yep, my tongue there. Like, maybe you already know, you're hearing it. God's already speaking to you. But as we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This is where I really want to focus in tonight. And let us run. Come on, somebody say run. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So let us run the race with perfect perseverance that's marked out for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're here. And uh, we just pray that you open up every ear. Pray that you open up every heart, every mind to receive of your word. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you'll believe and receive that, why don't you say amen? Amen. Come on, will y'all help me thank Jordan too? Thank you, Jordan. Amazing job, worship team tonight. Man, that was really, really powerful, powerful worship tonight. How many of you love the Olympics? Anybody, anybody, is anybody an, an Olympic fanatic? You know, like you just can't wait every two years for the Olympics to go. Nobody in here. Okay, that's all right. So I'm the only one. That's all right. It's, it's okay. I'm, I'm the only one. I mean, I love the Olympics, especially growing up as a kid. I don't know. There was just something about it. It was, I, I just anticipated every two years, you know, when the, when the Olympics would roll around. Love the summer Olympics. Uh, but I also love the, the, the Winter Olympics. In fact, you know, at eight years old, my parents took me skiing for the first time. And uh, I can remember going down the hill and I just thought, man, I'm going to be an Olympic athlete. This is, this is it. This is, this is my calling. This is my purpose. I got, I got to go skiing uh, a few weeks ago and, again, just relive the dream. I'm like, this is it, man. Like, I, I, I should have been an, an Olympic athlete. And, uh, I, yeah, they actually have this picture here. So uh, if you can spot me, there's, well, there's three of my brothers, so you may not be able to. This little guy right here in the front is me. Uh, this was me, I think it was 1989. Uh, and so I used to be a speed skater. So uh, somebody had a birthday party last night, and it was at a skating rink. And they invited us out. And I literally, I went and bought new skates for this. I was like, I haven't skated and I haven't skated, and I don't know, so I had to, I went out, and I bought new skates, and I got ready. I was like, this is it, man. Last night, I was like, I missed it. I was supposed to be an Olympic athlete, and, uh, but that was me right there. In fact, the two trophies that are in front of me are not mine. Um, <laughs> this, was, this was my first year competing, and I was terrible, and so they just took two trophies and set it in front of me to make me feel better. It, it kind of makes me feel sad right now, you know, that they, <laughs> that they, but I, I did. I, I loved competing. I, I loved. Uh, I loved racing. I loved getting on the on the po- like the feeling of, of getting you know on the podium. And so there was just something about it as as a kid that I loved. I loved watching the Olympics. And one of the things that that I love 
and I, I love to go even now watch my kids do it is is run track. And so, you know, you go to these, you go to these meets, and if you've been to a track meet, they are long. Anybody been to a track meet? I mean, it's they are they are so long. And so you go to these track meets, and and then when when your child's race is up, I mean, it's the most if it's the hundred meter, it's the most exciting twenty seconds of the day. You know, it's like you wait five hours to watch them run twenty seconds, and uh, but it's the love of a parent, and you know you love your kids, you want to see them, but it, they 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 get up on the line and, and they and they start and they run, and you know the Bible tells us here it says that we are to to run the race. That we're to, to run the race that, that God has set out before us, the race that he has, he has marked for us. And I think a lot of times that we think of this, we, you know, we, we think about this individually as ourselves. Well, there's a race that God has marked out for me, and that's true. And this is all about me, and what this is speaking is to me. And so we think about like an individual race. You know, we think about the 100 meter or the 400 meter where, it, where it's just you competing. But I really think that the idea behind this whole passage of Scripture is that it's not a singular person event, but what it is, is it's a relay. And that in this life, it's not just about what I do, what, what Craig does, but uh, I think about it like this, that it, it's, it's about a relay, and it's about what I'm going to hand off and I'm going to pass on to somebody else. And really, that's what the Christian life and the Christian walk is all about, is it's not really even about what I can get for myself or, or God, what you can do, do for me. But God has gone, hey, Craig, I've called you to run a race that you would be able to take this baton of faith and that you would be able to pass it on and hand it off to somebody else. And it's not what, you know, what I can build for myself or, or some name that I can build for myself. But God put a baton of faith in my hand and he said, hey, Craig, I've got a race that I want you to run. And you've got to run this race with perseverance, the race that I have marked out for you. When I read Hebrews 12, I'm, I'm reading about a relay race and, and Jesus gave the commandment in Matthew 28, and you'll hear me quote this a lot because it's one of the things, and it's, it's our number one value is the lost. Our number one value as a church is the lost, and, and you should feel, here's the thing about uh, church values, is that you should feel the church values, and when I tell you this is a church value, you should go, oh yeah, yeah, I knew that because we talk about the lost because we do things for the lost. If I tell you that one of our values is worship, you should go, oh yeah, I, I get that. We actually spend time and we invest time into worship. And so when I tell you these values, you should feel them, but the lost is one of our values and evangelism is one of our values because Jesus said it this way in Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What Jesus was saying is I've come and I've run my race. And Jesus took up the baton of faith. And he said, I came to earth and I ran my race and I went to the cross and I died on the cross for your sin. And I got out of the grave so that death could be defeated. But now, now I'm taking the baton of faith and I'm handing it to you disciples. And what I need you to do is I need you to take the baton and I need you to run. And so the disciples did just that. The disciples said, Jesus, we got you. We got this. We're going to take it and we're going to run.
And so you know the story, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit falls. And from that day, the disciples begin to take the baton of faith and they begin to run. And they begin to run through the towns and they begin to run through Samaria and through Judea and through the ends of the earth. And they took the baton of faith and they said, Jesus, what you did on the cross, we won't let it stay on that day. But what we'll do is we'll take the baton of faith and we're going to run and we're going to pass it on to somebody else. And I just wonder if there's anybody tonight that needs to grab the baton of faith and needs to get into the race and begin to hand that faith off to somebody. Can I talk to moms and dads for just a minute? We need to be handing this baton of faith off to our kids. Moms and dads, they need to see it from you. They need to see it from us. They need to see us model it. They need to see us pray. They need to see us fasting. They need to see us in our word. They need to see that Bible open on the counter, knowing that mom and dad have been up praying and seeking God before they ever got out of the bed. They need to know that mom and dad are running as hard as they can with that baton of faith, because I'm telling you, there's going to come a day where, I, I'm just telling you, there's going to come a day where I'm not here, and I hope that I will have run this race well enough that when I hand the baton off, my kids just keep running with the faith. Watch this, because from generation to generation, the unfortunate part is this, is that the people that live through a biblical worldview, it it just begins, it just keeps dipping. So they say this, a recent study said that 10% of baby boomers have a biblical worldview, meaning that they view the world through this book, that they believe what this book says, that they live out what this book says, that the truths that are taught in this. So only 10% of boomers have a biblical worldview. Then 7% of Gen X have a biblical worldview. 6% of millennials have a biblical worldview. And 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview. So what's happened is that from generation to generation, the baton is being dropped. That somewhere along the line, we're we're missing a handoff. That God called us to run a race, but somewhere along the line, the transfer is not being made. It's not being made from a a father to a son or from a, a mom to a daughter. It's not being transferred from generation to generation. And what I would love to see is for these stats to begin getting reversed. That it's not, you know, whatever they decide to call the next generation, that it's 2% and then the next generation is 0%. You know what that means? That in the next 40 to 100 years that 0% of the population would have a biblical worldview. Come on, church, we can't have that. Come on, if we'll run as a church the race with perseverance, we're going to continue handing off the baton to the next generation, to our kids and to our grandkids and to nieces and nephews. We have to run the race with perseverance. Come on, somebody say, run the race. The baton is being dropped. The gospel is not continuing the way in Jesus intended it to. This generation must be determined to carry and pass the baton of the gospel to those around us. Every year after the Olympics uh, happen, they say this, that enrollment, if it's summer Olympics, enrollment in gymnastics goes through the roof. That 
enrollment in track programs goes through the roof. In the winter, uh, ice skating less. All of a sudden, everybody wants to learn how to, to ice dance and, and ice skate and figure skate. And so attendance in these programs soars. Why? Because these kids have been watching people on TV and, and watching them excel and, and do incredible things and do triple axles on skates and, you know, do backflips on skis and run and break world records on the track. And so, you know, they go to mom and dad and they're like, I, I want to be like Michael Johnson and, and I want to run as fast as, as he can. And so you've got all these people and all the attendance soars. Um, swimming enrollment goes up. Why? Because everybody wants to be like Michael Phelps. Everybody wants to have all the gold all over their chest. The enrollment goes up. Why? Because they look at somebody that they can aspire to be like. Can I tell you that our kids ought to look at mom and dad and we ought to be somebody that they aspire to be like. That they can look at us and go, they've got morals, they've got values, they've got integrity. I want to live the way they live. I want to talk the way they talk. I want to have the walk that they say that they have. I, I want that in my life. And we should be running this race in a way that when we hand off the baton, they go, I want to run the way my parents ran the race. The next generation is important. Our kids are important. The people outside the four walls of this church, come on, they're important. There's people that are on the sidelines right now that need to get in the race, and we need to call them out of the stands and go, hey, here's the baton. Get out of the stands and begin to run the race. It's time that we run the race. Come on, somebody say run the race. We can't drop the faith. Satan wants to take us out so we'll lose our influence. He wants to eliminate us and disqualify us from the race so that we'll lose our ability to pass the faith on. So the Bible says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So you may, you may be asking yourself, you say, well, what is this great cloud of witnesses? Well, Hebrews 11, if you go back, I, I would encourage you to read you know, tonight or tomorrow or take this week and, you know, break it up into sections, whatever you want to do. I would encourage you to go back and read Hebrews 11 and then read Hebrews 12 because Hebrews 11 is, is called the great hall of faith. And it just starts back at the very beginning. And it just begins to walk through these great men and women of God that just lived their life in faith, that just took up this relationship, this faith with God, and they ran the race. And it talks about the incredible things that they did. And so it goes through this whole thing, and it ends that way in verse 11. And then it starts verse 12, and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you got to understand that as we run this race, that there are great men and women of God who have gone before us, who have run the race, that the baton has been handed down from generation to generation, that Jesus had started with him. He handed it to the disciples, and then the disciples handed it to the churches, and then the churches handed it to their kids and to their kids and to their kids. And this baton has been passed down from generation to generation. Come on, but we can't be the generation where the baton gets dropped and this faith dies. God called us to plant a church because we're not going to be people that sit back and let the baton of faith be dropped. But we've got values that we stand for. We've got a book that we believe. We've got a truth that we stand and believe in, and we're going to continue to pass the baton of faith. Come on, somebody say amen. 
So Paul writes, he said that we got to throw off every sin, throw off every sin that so easily entangles. Don't you know that Satan has his, his marks on us? Man, that Satan, Shannon talked about it earlier, that, you know, if you're walking the same way with the devil, he's like, cool, I mean, I don't care about you, whatever. Yeah, I got you. But it's when we make that 180 flip and we're like, nah, man, I'm not going your way anymore. He's like, oh, okay, we'll see about that. And he puts his, he puts his target in on us. He says, okay, all right, we'll see about that. I, I, I got you. I got you in my sights. So the Bible tells us that we have to take off every sin. We have to take off everything that would entangle us and We've got to run this race. I don't, I don't want there to be anything in my life that would prevent me from passing on my faith to the next generation. Or I don't want there even to be anything in my life that somebody would justify in their life. Are you with me? That I've got things in my life that I've made justification and be like, ah, it's all right. I don't think it's that bad. I don't really, you know. So I justify it. So then what I'm doing is I'm handing off faith, but then maybe I'm also handing off addiction. I'm handing off pride. I'm handing off arrogance. I'm handing off a tongue that I can't control. Whatever it is, I don't, I don't know. But I want to hand off faith that's mixed with something else that would cause them then in the future to stumble and fall. And I think in a, a lot of times that's what we've done is we've taken faith mixed with a little bit of sin and whatever and we hand it down to the next generation and maybe it didn't cause us to get entangled and fall, but it causes the next generation to get entangled and fall. And so the writer of Hebrews here, it encourages us to throw off everything, every sin that so easily entangles and ensnares and would cause you to fall. Don't drop your faith. Come on, somebody say, don't drop your faith. In the 2016 Olympics, Allison Felix was running a race, and she was the, the third leg of this relay, and it was just a, a qualifying heat. They were doing good. They would have qualified for the finals. And it comes around to the third leg, and she gets right up, and she's about to make the exchange. And as she's about to make the exchange, as she's about to make the handoff, she drops the baton. Now, this relay team that was competing in Rio, they were the ones that they were like the, the shoe-in to win this thing. I mean, they were, they were by far the fastest team. They'd been winning all the prelims. They'd been winning all the worlds. They'd been doing all of that. And they came down to this moment where it was the critical exchange where it'd go from Allison Felix to her partner. And they dropped the baton. And you can see, if, if you go back and, and look it up on, on YouTube, you can see her partner's name was English Gardner. And you can see she just kind of turns around and she's just kind of like, what happened? This is an exchange that they have made thousands of times. This is something that they practice over and over and over again. I mean, this is something that for them, it, it should have just been second nature. It should have just been second thought. And, and they went to make that exchange, and, and it fell on the ground. And they're kind of looking at each other, and, you know, they're, they're sitting here talking. And obviously, this was the last you know, stretch of the race. So the race was done and they're still kind of sitting there talking. 
And Allison Felix, she goes over and she picks up the baton and she picks it up and she hands it to her and she says, we have to finish the race. We have to finish the race. So she takes the baton and she runs down the straightaway. And when you watch it, there's people literally walking back the other direction like the race is over. It's done. It's completed. You know, people have already run, uh, won the race. And so English Gardner goes and she, and she finishes the race. So here's what happened. So as Allison Felix was in this and she was going to make that handoff, she was hit by somebody in the lane next to her. So she was hit and she drops the baton. She picks it up and she hands it to her. So then they go to the judges and they tell the judges, hey, listen, I was, you know, I was hit and that's the reason that we dropped the baton. And so we should be able to move on to the finals because we dropped the baton. You know, the only reason they went on to win a first place and the only reason that they won the first place is because they finished the race. Had they not picked up the baton and said, you know what, we've got to finish the race. And I just feel like I need to tell somebody tonight, you got to finish the race. I just feel like I need to tell somebody that maybe you dropped the baton that maybe you came here tonight and you feel like the biggest failure. Maybe you say, you know what? The baton of faith is not in my hand anymore. I'm not running that race anymore. I've dropped that baton of faith. I'm telling you, it's not too late. Pick up the baton of faith and get back in the race. Come on, somebody say, run the race. Come on, I'm telling you, somebody needs to pick up that baton tonight and you need to get it back in your hand and you need to get some passion back in your life again. You need to get a fire back in your heart and back in your life again. And you need to begin to run the race again. Come on, God is calling us to run this race of faith. Come on, somebody say, run the race. Because I don't care what's tried to take you out. I don't care what sin has tried to entangle you. I don't care what has caused you to maybe even throw down the the faith. Maybe it's, you know, anger and bitterness. Maybe you lost a loved one in your life. And because you lost that loved one, you've kind of turned your back on God. Maybe there's been some unfortunate events that have happened in your life and you've pointed a finger at God and gotten mad or angry at God. And because of life circumstances, you threw down your faith. Can I tell somebody, pick up the faith and run the race. Come on, it's time that we stop letting the enemy win and that we run the race. If God's called you to be a pro athlete, do it for God. If he's called you to be a politician, do it for God. If he's called you to be a teacher, do it for God. If he's called you to be a nurse, do it for God. Run the race. Because see, here's the thing. It says that you're to run the race that God has marked out for you. Each of us have a race to run. You know, in a race, every, you've got the lanes and you, you stay in your lane, run in your lane. Each of us have a lane that God has called us to run in. God called me to be a pastor, and, and I, I absolutely, I love what I get to do. But not all of us, if, if we were all pastors, then we would, we would just all lose our effectiveness. But the Bible said that, that God has given the body of Christ many parts, and, and that there's people that you can reach that I can't reach, and there's people that I'm going to reach that you're not going to reach, and you have a story and a testimony that's going to reach somebody that I'll never reach. But guess what? If we don't take the baton of faith and run the race, we don't reach those people at all. 
And in your sphere of influence, I'm telling you, God is wanting you to run the race in your sphere of influence so you can impact the world around you. I'm going to ask that, that the band come back. Matthew 9, 31 says this. But they went out and they spread the news all about him. Come on, somebody say him. All over that region. They went out and they spread the news all about him all over that region. Jesus had just healed a blind man. And when the people witnessed this and saw this, the Bible says that then they just, they begin to run. They're like, I believe that this man is who he says he is. And with a heart full of faith, they begin to run into their communities and tell everybody about Jesus. They went out and they spread the news about him all over that region. I talked about it a uh, two weeks ago about how an encounter will change everything. But man, if we'll experience God in this place, I'm telling you, we'll run out of this place with faith high and we will run the race and we'll begin to make a difference in people's lives and hand off that baton and go, hey, listen, there's this man that I know and his name is Jesus and he can change your life. And we begin to hand off the baton. And then that person takes the baton of faith and they begin to run it and they hand it off and they hand it off and they hand it off. And I'm telling you, we will make a difference in our city. But here's the thing. When you watch the Olympics and, you know, we're, we're, we typically pull for USA. I know we got some Brazilians. Y'all probably pull for Brazil. I know that. I get it. Um, but, I mean, you're pulling for your nation. And so, like, when an athlete is out there, you know, when Michael Johnson, you know, one of the fastest men, he set all kind of records and medals, and he didn't have Michael Johnson on his jersey, did he? What name did he have? USA. Because he wasn't trying to run for his name. And when you look at the medal tally on the Olympics, what are you, what are you looking at? It's, it's USA has this many medals, you know, Brazil has this many medals. I mean, you, you're looking at the medal count for the nation. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say it's not about me. It's not about my name. It's not about making my name great. It, it has nothing to do with me, and it has everything to do with the name that I wear, and the name that I wear is the name that is above every name. It's the name that at the mention of that name that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that, that he's Lord and that he's Savior, and I run under that name so that I might hand off the faith to the people around me to people that are hurting and broken and need hope and need joy and need love and need peace and, and need victory over addiction. There's so many people that live these silent, smiley lives that underneath the surface are so bound up and they just need somebody to say, tag, you're it. I, I need you to run with this baton. I've met a man, his name is Jesus, and he can change. Now go and run with it. And there's a world that's waiting. There's a world that's waiting on you to pass off that baton of faith. Come on, I want us to stand on our feet as we get ready to close. Hebrews 12 goes on to say after verse 1, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not fixing our eyes on myself 
not fixing our eyes on a pastor or a man. Don't fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You want to know how to run this race? Just look at Jesus. You want to know how to live your life? Read this book and look at how Jesus lived his life. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Isn't that weird? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. There was joy in enduring the cross. Why was there joy in enduring the cross? Because he saw you. Because he saw the victory that would be won for you. Because he saw the life that would be given to you. Because he saw the joy that would be found in him that would only happen when he took up the cross. So there was joy as he took up the cross and he ran the life of faith. He scorned its shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now watch this. Consider him endured such opposition from sinners so that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. When I want to quit, when I want to throw in the towel, when I want to throw this thing down and be like, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> it would be easier just to drink and forget about the problems. It'd be easier to name it really deal with, no, I'm done with this. No, I'm going to take up my faith and I'm going to hold on to you, Jesus. Because I realize that my opposition is nothing compared to what opposed you. So Lord, when, I, when I'm in, in a hard time, in a hard season, I'll think about you on the cross. And when I don't think I can go on any longer, I'll remember you and the nail-pierced hands. And when I just feel like giving up and throwing in the towel, I'll remember the stripes on your back. When all hell is breaking loose in my life, God, I have to focus on, on you and what you did because it's the only way I'll continue to hold the faith. So tonight, God, we declare that we need you. We're looking to you, Jesus. Not ourselves, not man. We're looking to you, God.